Hello and welcome to this podcast on pensions and climate change. You're listening to the Planning, Environment and Property podcast, brought to you by the members of 39 Essex Chambers. I am Catherine Apps and this is Gethin Thomas and we're both barristers at 39 Essex Chambers. We both wrote an article recently available from the 39 Essex website and from LinkedIn um, about pensions and climate change and the new law that's just come in. This is a companion podcast where we talk about some of the themes and the directions. Now, in that piece, we talked about the new pensions legislation that um, passed through Parliament in January. Um, Gethin, in a nutshell, can you just tell us what that legislation um, is and what does it do? Absolutely. So the Pension Schemes Bill passed in um, on the 19th of January 2021. It's currently waiting royal assent, but the wording will no longer change. And Section 124 of the bill inserts a number of provisions into the Pensions Act 1995 concerning climate change risk. In Section 41A, um, there's a power to make regulations with a view to securing that there's effective governance of the scheme with respect to the effects of climate change. Section 41B, requiring trustees or managers to publish information on the effects of climate change on the scheme. And Section 41C confers enforcement powers on the pensions regulator. The government consulted in September and has now responded to that consultation, publishing two sets of regulations in draft. Well, thanks very much, Gethin. Yes, so there'd been an earlier bit of proposed wording in the legislation, um, which was removed over the summer, but which would have altered trustees and managers' fiduciary duties as regards the selection of investments in light of climate change considerations in the Paris Agreement. But what's actually um, passed through Parliament is limited just to governance and to the publication of information. Um, should we just have a chat about how major that change is? Okay. Um, So in the pensions world, the distinction between fiduciary duties, the duty of the trustee or scheme manager to select its investments, and pure governance duties is a very important one. Now, last May, the Supreme Court gave judgment in a case called Palestine Solidarity Campaign, where the Supreme Court made a distinction between guidance and regulations which address how scheme managers address investment duties and what they invest in. Now, the Secretary of State's guidance in that context, which was in the context of local government pensions, had crossed that line. They had the power to regulate how, so governance considerations and information publication, but the guidance had actually gone further into what, so what investments could be selected. Now, these reforms clearly fall on the how side of the line in terms of how they've been drafted rather than the what side of the line, which is why many are concerned in the climate change world about um, how how much change these regulations are actually going to be capable um, of um, of having. Yes, indeed. However, there is a view that these duties might increase public or employee pressure on employers and trustees to focus rather more on climate change as an important factor in long-term growth. So there is potentially a very welcome indirect impact on the what. And indeed, we've already seen public pressure lead to sectoral movement towards fossil fuel divestment, for example. The National Employment Savings Trust, or NESC, which is the biggest pension fund in the UK, began divesting from fossil fuels in July last year. Yes, you're right that they did that without there being these legal duties um, um, actually in place um, on them at all. And the commercial pressure, particularly in the current climate that these might create, might actually shift some investment decisions because the the climate change impact is at least going to have to be thought of 
when those decisions are are, um, are being made. Um, and there is a degree to which sort of being seen to be compliant with the Paris Agreement is sort of seen as commercially fashionable in, in PR terms. Um, uh, to what extent do you, do you actually think that that it will have that kind of practical effect in this field? Well, the threat of increased scrutiny of an entity's environmental behaviour I think can incentivize better conduct. And we have seen that to an extent under the environmental information regulations. But there is a real risk, I think, that these sort of obligations could just end up being a mere box ticking exercise. Yes, indeed, that, that actually in terms of the, the mind of the person making the decisions, they, they almost sort of, there's a temptation to check out from the actual decision being made because it's felt as though they've done what is necessary by t- ticking the information requirements or the governance requirements. But that actually doesn't address what's really going on in the world. Um, should we have a chat about legal challenges and what legal challenges might arise from these new regulations. Now, these new regs can be enforced by the pensions regulator and they'll, of course, be guidance. Um, But how likely is it really that the pensions regulator will take enforcement steps um, in this particular field? What do you feel about how likely it is that any of these will really be coming either before the pensions regulator in terms of decisions or, or ultimately to court? Well, I think enforcement action might be taken uh, more readily to prevent complete non-responders and in circumstances where those uh, non-responders challenge the enforcement action that's been taken, we'll see uh, an increase in um, these kind of cases in the first tier tribunal. But as is the case in the environmental field more generally, it's much more difficult to impact the partial responders. In, indeed. I wonder if another angle might be a, a bit like the Palestine Solidarity Challenge itself. If the pensions regulator's guidance um, in this area either goes too far and crosses the, um, the, the how into what line, or possibly doesn't even go sufficiently far enough to achieve the statutory purpose of these regulations, um, might scheme trustees challenge the guidance? Might an environmental interest group um, possibly challenge the regulator in that context um, as well? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And there is another angle. I mean, one can see the scope along the lines um, of an argument being that the regulations themselves do not go as far as the Paris Agreement, and that may well have compliance with the net zero statutory duty under Section 1 of the Climate Change Act. And there's also an angle which employers have started to see, now that sincerely held environmental beliefs can be protected philosophical beliefs under the Equality Act, might the information requirements be a flashpoint? And how might the pension regulator's guidance take that into account? Yeah, that's a very interesting point. I, I doubt at the moment that philosophical belief is necessarily on their radar um, at all in the context of these of these regulations. But uh, um, I've certainly, from the employment angle, um, had cases where employers are increasingly getting questions and pressure from employees or indeed from trade unions about how um, how the investment decisions um, that are being taken. Um, are compliant with either values of the firm as a whole or, or with or, or um, using that philosophical belief angle. So just sort of scanning the horizon and st- taking um, taking a step back, um, where where do we think that these regulations um, fit in the in the world going forwards and um, are they going to be positive or, or negative? Well, these proposals are part of a wider trend to increase climate-related governance and disclosure obligations in the pensions and the financial services fields. For example, the FCA published a policy statement in December on a new climate-related disclosure obligations. 
And I think when these regulations are looked at together in the broader context and the round, it's all moving in the right direction. But there is a risk that this may all be too little too late. Yes, I, I can see the, the point that if you just look at these in isolation, then they might boil down essentially to a, a legal duty to virtue signal, which might not result in a huge amount of real practical change. But actually it's taken in both the commercial context, the PR context and the context of other measures being brought in um, by other legislative schemes, um, that this might result both in interesting legal challenges, specific legal challenges, but also actually start changing behaviour in terms of what investments are held um, by particularly the large pension schemes. Because of course, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, the role of pension investment in climate change was only starting to be highlighted. I remember there was an important OECD publication, but now it's so much more mainstream and um, you know, where it's going to go will be will be interesting to, to see. Well, thank you very much, Gethin, for joining me on this podcast. I hope that those of you who've been listening have enjoyed listening to it. Please join us again soon for another 39i6 podcast. Thank you and bye-bye. Thanks for listening. At 39 Essex Chambers, we cover a vast array of practice areas and sectors. You can find out more about our expertise and our barristers at 39essex.com, where you can also see our extensive catalogue of articles, podcasts and webinars.